Thank you for joining me today for my very first episode of my podcast, Until Divorce Do Us Part. My name is Finest, and I'm a divorce coach, life coach, and mom to two fantastic kids. On this podcast, we'll be talking about all things divorce and life lessons. Today, we'll be talking about what a divorce coach does and what a divorce coach does not do, what inspired me to become a divorce coach, and how a divorce coach can help you. So stay tuned. Welcome. So happy you could join me today to listen to this podcast. Of all the ones you could choose, you chose me. So I thank you so much. My name is Finest and I am a divorce coach. And today I'd like to talk about what a divorce coach does, what a divorce coach does not do, and what inspired me to become a divorce coach and how a divorce coach can help you. So what a divorce coach does is we help guide and navigate those who are going through the divorce process. That could be discussing the steps, strategic steps you can take in the divorce process. We can be discussing your emotional state, which is a big part of divorce, but it's a it's a way to help you, whether you're just thinking about divorce or you're in the middle of divorce or you're post-divorce. It's a way for you to kind of discuss what you're feeling and what you're going through and the steps that you can take in order to move forward in your divorce. The point isn't to get stuck in the divorce, right? To get fixated on only the divorce because it is very sometimes all consuming and it can take up your entire day. Imagine that multiplied by how many years you go through the divorce because I know there's an average if you don't have a if you don't have a divorce that's peaceful it could be at least 2 years so imagine going through the process of divorce for 2 years of your life where it's all consuming and that's all it does it will wear you down and that's where the divorce coach comes in to kind of give you the steps to take so that it doesn't become such an overwhelming experience and so what a divorce coach does not do a divorce coach does not help you get divorced. I've been <laughs> approached by a few people who've said, well, because they don't know what a divorce coach does. And honestly, before my divorce, I didn't know what a divorce coach or that a divorce coach even existed would have been a saving grace for me. And so people say, well, what does it, do you help people get divorced? And as fascinating as that could be, it's not what I do and it's not my job to split people up. By the time people have reached me, they're either already thought about divorce, they've had it in their mind for a minute, or they've, you know, come to the conclusion that their marriage is over, or they've already been through the divorce process and are continuing on with, you know, custody issues or how to deal with their ex. Because, you know, there are situations where some people cannot let the the marriage go even after they're divorced and they find it difficult to move forward. And so they make it difficult for their ex to move forward. And so helping people deal with those issues, um, having to take their ex back to court because of either money situations that haven't been sorted or a revision in uh, child custody or some other issue can always come up. And so people who are post-divorce 
sometimes have as many issues as as someone who's just going through the divorce process. This is not to freak you out to say that it's going to be bad forever. And that's why you have people to help you. That's why you have therapists, divorce coaches to kind of help you to get grounded in living your best life. That's all we basically want to do. We want to be able to live our best life no matter what we're going through. And that's easier said than done. And it's hard to do when you're doing it alone. So what inspired me to become a divorce coach was my own divorce. I had thought about divorce for years, but just couldn't get my head out of the many reasons why I should stay in the marriage. And I really had no real reason to stay because, you know, I didn't feel loved. I wasn't supported. I wasn't respected. And I certainly didn't feel as if I was in a marriage that had any component of just your basic friendship, which to me now is one of the most important aspects of a relationship is just friendship. Would this person be my friend if I wasn't married to them? I think it's important for everybody to know that we all tend to think that we're all going through a different experience, but we all seem to, when we all come together, the people who have been through the process, we kind of realize that the situations are very similar like emotions that are flooded in and how much time did it take for you to realize that you wanted to divorce and what were your thoughts about divorce and what was your actual experience of the divorce and what are you going through now? So I was thinking about divorce for many years before I actually pulled the trigger and went to file the paperwork. Those years before I filed were some of the hardest years I've ever had because you know, I had children, I was a stay-at-home mom. And when you're in those kinds of positions, you feel as if you have nothing. You feel like you have no financial say. And because your financial say will guide your steps, right? Because we all need money. You know, you need money to live, you need money to eat, you need money for things, you need money for this, you need money for that. And if you don't have just that basic thing, that thing to be able to go out and get an apartment, to go and buy another house where you can start over. When you don't have that, it makes it so much more difficult to move out of the marriage. And even when you have that, it becomes difficult too, because now you're thinking emotional thoughts. And I was thinking all of the above. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had no money. I had no money, right? I'm saying that I had no money because at the time when I was in the marriage, I equated him working as his money. And, you know, he told me that it was his money. So he confirmed what I was thinking. And so, so how was I able to then move out of the marriage successfully? You know, it was kind of an impossible condition to be in. And so I thought about it for years before, but my thoughts at the very beginning were not thoughts of finances. My thoughts were of what would my children, what would happen with my kids if I left the marriage because some of us think about our children first and we're thinking what will their experience be if I move if I leave are they as unhappy as I am and you see your kids and you know they're very happy but they are also sucking in you think that they're not impacted by what's going on in the marriage they are very much so impacted because they see your unhappiness. And especially if you have a relationship with someone who, you know, you're arguing with all the time. The kids know that it's not a peaceful household. And this is why when you're arguing at home, the kids cry. 
they are affected by the behavior of the parents in the household. And so while you're thinking that you're the only one who is unhappy, the children might be too. And so for me, it was difficult to separate the marriage from the children. And I feel as if it was something that needed to be done. I needed to separate the children from my marriage, even though they were part of the marriage, because it made it more difficult for me to leave sooner. So I thought about divorce and it was only when he made what I called the final move that I said, enough is enough. He'd done many things prior to my dis- my decision to file that hurt me. And I mean, it, some things that he did really, really hurt me, not physically, but just emotionally. And the one thing he did do was he started to have his own life while we were still under the same roof, which means he started moving money out of our joint account into his own personal account, leaving me basically, you know, destitute, but not homeless. I wasn't homeless. I had a roof over my head, but I was left to fend for myself. I was in a marriage. I was not living with a roommate. If I wasn't living with a roommate, then I could certainly understand that position. But I was living at home with my husband, albeit an unhappy marriage, a marriage. So while he was thinking that I was just sitting at home, you know, thinking about how I could stiff him out of his money, I was an emotional wreck. And I was not doing that. I wasn't doing the, oh, how can I? I wasn't thinking devious. I wasn't thinking, how could I render him useless? But he was financially abusing me. And I didn't understand it at the time. I I just couldn't put why he would think, why would he be thinking in those terms when I was thinking about my marriage and how difficult it was to leave my marriage, even though I was unhappy in it. That's how I was thinking. And he was thinking, let me put my money into my own account. I don't know if he had talked to an attorney or to, to friends that told him exactly what he should be doing. I don't know, but it just felt like I had somebody who was my enemy that I lived with because I would never have done that to anybody. Still to this day, I wouldn't do that. So at that point, I realized that I was on my own. I was left to fend for myself. And I had to let go of the emotional thing and get into the financial thing because I was left stranded. And when you're left stranded, you don't have time to think about what your emotional state is. You're in a state of panic. You're in a state of, oh my God, what am I going to do? Where, where? And you start thinking about the corners of the house where you have cash that you could sell something or you could you know, or family members who can loan you money or can, or friends that can loan you money so that you can have some cash of your own between the time that he basically closed our joint account until about a year and four months later, he gave me a total of $500. And it was only because I think it was because Christmas was coming up and he didn't want me to have no money to buy presents for the kids. And the check that he wrote me, I keep on my wall as a reminder of where I don't want to be ever again and a place where I wouldn't want anyone else to be ever again. It is not a place for the weak and the weary. It can really drive you down and it can have you thinking terrible things about your ex. (laughs) Really terrible things. So like I said, I keep that check on my wall, a copy of that check on my wall as a reminder of where I've been and where I refuse to be again. So after I filed, I thought I had felt a weight off my shoulders, almost as if, oh, thank you, God. And that's when it all began because 
although I had filed the paperwork, I still was in that uncertain place because I filed out of pain. I filed out of anger at what he had done, knowing that he had put the final, he had made the final decision as to what direction our marriage was going to go in. And after that, I was in a free fall. Like I said, my emotions were, I had to set them aside and I was just in anger. I was just in anger. And I went to see attorneys. I talked to friends. I had to borrow money from friends to, you know, just pay for everyday expenses or just to, you know, pay off the minimum on my credit card debt. And by the way, one of the good things that I had done during my marriage was accumulate credit cards. You know, they would send me through the mail. (laughs) I would say, okay. And then, you know, I would have credit cards because, you know, when you're together, it's family income. Despite what your ex might say, your spouse might say, it's family income. So you can use all the income from the family. So I got my credit cards together and I had at least eight or nine credit cards. I never anticipated using all nine of them and maxing them all out. Yes, I maxed them all out. And at the beginning of the separation, I had maybe, you know, I had close to $60,000 in debt. I didn't realize, it's not that I didn't realize, I knew what everyday living was. And I was not splurging on anything. I bought practically nothing for myself. I just did what was necessary. The car needed fixing, the car needed gas, the car needed, you know, you know, car expenses, especially when you're driving a really old car. And I did things for the kids, like they needed clothes because they were growing like weeds and shoes are expensive. And I had accumulated so much in debt. I wasn't exactly 70,000 after a year. It took four years to get to that point where I was $70,000 in debt. And that was a hard pill to swallow, just to see the the bills coming in and not knowing and realizing that I was only paying the interest and it was going to take me 27 years. Because if you look at your statements, it's going to take you 27 years to get out of that debt. So while I was thinking, so I put all of my emotions aside and I had to deal with the business of my divorce. And I had to, first of all, I had to get out of the house that we shared. And that became a problem. We owned, luckily we owned a couple pieces of property and one of those properties were vacant. And so that's where I was going to move to. But listen to this, I didn't have a key. (laughs) I didn't have a key to to get into that property. I'm going to say that again. I didn't have a key to get into my property. I said that property first, but it, it was mine as well. And I didn't have a key. He had a key and I asked him for a key and he said he was not going to give me a key. Just saying that kind of brings me back to that place where I was like, you know, six years ago. Just that understanding that where I was and where he was were two different places. I was in an emotional state as to the demise of my marriage and he was in preparation of his finances We were in two different places. So while I was hoping that he would meet me at my emotional state, he was not budging from where he was, which was preparing for his future, for his financial future. Even knowing that men make more money than women, he was preparing for his future using our money. So that too is hard to say. 
And it's the first time I actually thought about that, but he was preparing for his future using our money. So I didn't have a key to get into this unit. So I ended up having to get a locksmith, prove that I was owner of this unit, knock on my tenant's door. And I want you all to take this all in because these are not things you're you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) You're not supposed to be doing any of this stuff because had I been more invested and involved in the marriage completely. I mean, not just be a stay-at-home mom and not just, not necessarily not just be a stay-at-home mom, but if I'm a stay-at-home mom, doesn't mean that I have no access to the finances or don't know about finances or don't have a key to the property. So I had to get a locksmith and the locksmith isn't going to just open the door for anybody because I could have been anybody, right? I had to knock on the tenant's door because it's a duplex. I had to knock on the tenant's door, ask, have him be my witness that I was a landlord or owner, part owner of the property. And only then would the locksmith open the door. Just imagine that. So he opened the door. I moved my things in. I couldn't be moved out because it was my home. It was my house too. But it took that for me to understand what I'd been doing all that time. I'd just been sitting back waiting for him to be who I wanted him to be, to be who I'd hoped I had chosen. Because the first thing we say after we get into this process of divorce is, why did I marry him? Well, we we know why we married them. Because at the time we married them, we had high hopes, we had dreams, we had our biological clock ticking. (laughs) We made choices at the time that were the choices that we made. And those choices that we made doesn't mean that you can't undo those choices. It's just that the choice you made at the time was the choice you made at that time. And you can't kick yourself later on and say, I should never have. Because everything is a learning experience, right? So you learn from it. What I learned from this was, if I own property, (laughs) it's obvious what I learned, right? So I don't need to say it. So that was my first step was to get myself on footing and I moved into the property and then it went from there, like all the steps that all the papers that you have to file, all the things that you have to do in order to bring your marriage to a conclusion. And because of my experience through the divorce process, I guess maybe I carried it on my on my shoulders a little bit. So when I would see people at my kids' schools, some of them would ask me, so, um, you know, what's going on with you? And, you know, I heard you are going through the divorce process. And I would say yes. And, you know, and they would ask me questions. And these are people, and this is why you you just never know who is going through what, because the people that were asking me questions about divorce were people I would never have thought would get divorced. Just looking at them, you just never. So, you know, when they say don't judge a book by its cover, you really cannot. And so I was fielding a lot of questions about the divorce process. And the first thing that would always pop up were these emotions that would come out. And that's the thing that needs to be wrestled with first, the emotions of the divorce or the emotions of the loss of the marriage. And so I thought there's got to be somewhere or some place that or someone that can help people who are going through this process deal with all of these things that come up and to kind of give you a heads up as to what could potentially happen in their future. 
Because it's that unknown, it's that uncertainty that kind of stops people from doing a lot of things. Uncertainty is uncertainty is certainly something because it's called uncertainty because you're not sure, right? So if you're not sure, then it's a toss up. It's a 50-50 chance that uncertainty could be great, <laughs> could be absolutely great, or it could be awful. But we're going to take a chance on the fact that uncertainty is great because you can make uncertainty whatever you want it to be. And I think uncertainty keeps us stuck. It keeps our feet in quicksand in a marriage that we are not happy in. And because you're thinking, well, I know what unhappiness looks like. I know what being unhappy looks like. But what does uncertainty look like? Uncertainty is just that. It's uncertain. You just don't know what it is. And so, you know, it's like the reason why most people in domestic violence situations stay in their domestic violence situations. It's easy to tell them to leave. But what are they feeling? Why do they feel they need to stay? Nobody feels like they need to be beat up, right? So why do they stay? Uncertainty, fear, the path, the, the path that hasn't been taken. What will that look like? And that's what keeps people in bad marriages, that uncertainty. And this is why, you know, the celebrities, they can marry today and divorce tomorrow because they have the finances to rebuild their lives. A lot of us don't. And especially now during COVID, I was trying not to mention COVID, <laughs> but you really can't get away from it, can you? But especially now in the situation that we're in, some people are trapped. They, they've lost their job. So how are they going to leave? But that doesn't mean that while you're there, that you can't be in the planning stages after things come back together. So uncertainty is a killer of joy, is a killer of your freedom. And so I think a lot of the times we have to start stepping into uncertainty with certainty. You step into uncertainty with certainty that it's going to be just fine and that you're moving in the right direction. So my divorce took three years and it was three years of divorce occupying my day. And it would have been nice to, to not have that happen because I feel as if that was three years that were lost. And every moment that we're alive is an absolute blessing. Every moment. You can't put off living today thinking about tomorrow, right? So that's what I did. I put it off because my divorce was important. It was very important that I get back at him for the things that he did. It was very important that I, you know, I took the moral high ground and he get punished in the courtroom. That's going to be another podcast. So that's what I spent my three years doing while my children were growing up. Imagine that. Like, it's not that I, I, I set them aside, but in a way I kind of did. Because when you're in the war, when you're in a war, you fight your war. And every so often you'll say hi to the kids, <laughs> but you're in it. The minute your ex sends you a text message, your blood boils and you're upset because he said something that triggered you. Because they know how to trigger you. They were with you for, depending on how long you were married, they were with you for that long. So they know exactly what to say. And it takes you out of your joy, if you have experienced joy that moment, to back in the trenches with them. And so this is my, this was my inspiration. Because after my divorce was final, that was when I was, I understood what I was doing and what I was in. And my hope is that I'll help my clients not waste so much time. Because as I said before, every moment 
is a blessing and you should count every single one of your blessings and not waste it. I'll close on. My mom used to have this thing above the sink where it say, thank God for dirty dishes. They have a tale to tell. While others may go hungry, we're eating very well. So you kind of have to take in that dirty dishes. This is the divorce, right? You're going through this thing. But there is there is an upside. There is an upside to that, that you'll get through it and you'll be able to live your life at the same time. You're going through it and, you're, and you'll be able to go through get through it at the same time. So instead of waiting for the divorce to be final before you say, before you breathe your sigh of relief, you can breathe breathe your sigh of relief every single day up until your divorce is final. And so that's why I began divorce coaching. It was for me a necessary thing to do to help other people who are going through the process to understand where they are, how they feel, and to make moves that make you feel good and not be held hostage by your ex. Divorce is, you know, it's when just when you say that word, it kind of makes you feel stuck. And my job, or what I hope my job is, is to have you feel unstuck. So with that said, I'm going to move on to the next podcast, which will talk about the emotional component of divorce. Because it's very important to get to that point where you feel free to say, free to say what you feel, free to, to feel what you feel and free to move into the divorce, knowing that you're doing the right thing. I think some of us believe that we're not doing the right thing. And until you get there, your divorce will be, it won't be as clean as it could be. So for the next show, we're going to talk about the emotional side of divorce and please subscribe so that you won't miss the next one. And just know your best life is right now. Your best life is right now. And enjoy your right now as much as you can. Just enjoy your right now. So you can find me at on Instagram at LA Divorce Coach. I'm on Facebook at LA Divorce Coaching. And my website is finestbennettdivorcecoach.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>